Happy Sabbath once again. I'm glad that you are here with us at JCC Livestream. Uh, we have been going through a series called Pandemic, Making Sense of a Crisis. And I've talked about different things based on Matthew chapter 24. And I've been driving just a simple idea that, look, we don't know when COVID-19 is going to end. We don't know how things are going to shape out. But at least the one thing I know we can shape and we can control is ourselves. So in this series, I've really not been painting or pointing attention to COVID-19. My focus has been on you in COVID-19. And so if you want to get a sense of what I've been saying, please go back to uh, YouTube. All of the, le- all the sermons are there. You can follow along. Uh, the first sermon, we called it Pardon My Disruption. Uh, the second sermon, we called it Seasons of Struggle. The third sermon is called Summer is Coming. And last week's sermon, what did we call last week's sermon? Man, I'm even forgetting last week's sermon. But you, you can see it uh, there on, uh, on, on, on YouTube. All the sermons are there. Matthew 24 and verses 45 to 51 is the passage that I'm going to speak from this morning. And this is the last time I'm speaking from Matthew 24 for this series. Uh, But it's been a wonderful journey. And just one more time, I want to take a crack at Matthew 24 and verses 45 to 51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master may ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour he's not aware of. And he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. They shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Once again, let me read verse number 47. But if that evil servant, verse 48 rather, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. My master is delaying his coming. I want to speak to you under the theme, delay syndrome. Delay syndrome let us pray heavenly father this moment you've created it for the preached word to be preached and i pray lord that you'd help me in this moment as i struggle i pray lord that you would captivate my mind and instill in my mind your thoughts and that a brother and a sister will know jesus from this word in your name i pray Amen. We shoot questions at God. The sting of disappointment, the failure of a plan, the breakup of a relationship, 
the lack of health push us to question God. Sometimes our questions are like a bullet. And that bullet is a singular one. Lord, how long shall I remain jobless? Sometimes we shoot questions at God and it's like a bomb. Lord, when will it happen? Why will it happen? Where will it happen? How will it happen? We, we ask God so many questions. But I'm here to tell you that if we can dish it, we should be able to take it. You understand what I'm saying? If, if, you are, if you're going to give it, you should be able to, to take it as well. And God also shoots questions at us. And this morning, this sermon is really a question that God is shooting at you and I. Jesus shoots the question in verse number 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? You see the phrase, who then assembles a special, question, a special group of questions in the gospel of Matthew. Follow with me and get the point. You see, the disciples came to Jesus. They asked him, who then can be saved? Uh, who, then can, uh, who then can be awarded the reward, Lord? Who then can be great? Three times the disciples shoot Jesus with these questions. But for the fourth time, Jesus shoots the question at the disciples. And he says to them, he shoots them and he says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? I want you to follow my train of thought. The disciples ask Jesus questions related to greatness, salvation, and compensation. They were focused on the destination. They were focused at the end for on the end of their journey. But Jesus' question takes their destination focus and he points them to the journey. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? You want to be great, you want to be saved, and you want to be compensated. You need to focus on uh, the journey because of the journey to the greatness the journey to the salvation the journey to the compensation is the most important thing you see we long for the destination uh, we long for the job uh, we long for the relationship we long for the promotion but God is not interested mainly in the promotion. He's not interested mainly in the relationship. He's not interested mainly in that promotion. He's interested in the journey you take to get to the promotion. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is not interested in the destination. He's interested in the journey. You see, the journey squeezes the juice that sweetens the, the destination yes the process of the journey stings yes it stings uh, to get sick yes it stings to, to to break up yes it stings it stings to lose yes it stings to be criticized 
But what stings strengthens. What stings strengthens. God transforms this sting into strength. You see, I need to pause right there because I just need you to soak it in. Uh, today, I really won't bombard you with a lot of homiletical fire. I just want to talk to you today. You see, Jesus laced his question with slavery imagery. In fact, he says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master may rule over them to give them food in due season? You see, in this text, Jesus uses slavery image to drive the point home. Your English versions use, use the word servant. But some English versions, like the New English Translation, the New American Standard Bible, and the New Revised Standard Version, translate servant as a slave. You see, Jesus mastered words. At his disposal was a whole lot of words that he could have chosen, but Jesus chose the word slave. In other words, he's saying, who then is a faithful and wise slave whom his master made him ruler over them to give them meat or food in their due season? You see, at the disposal of Jesus was the word diakonos. And it is very famous in the church. Anybody who uh, takes care of the communion service, Anybody who takes care of uh, collecting the offering, anybody who serves in the church is a diakonos. That is a, is a servant. That is a, is a helper. Jesus could have chosen diakonos, but he didn't. Jesus could have chosen pais, which means uh, an apprentice. Somebody who is trained in a position and, and, and is groomed and, and is put in, in a position. But Jesus didn't choose pais. Jesus could have chosen hyperetes. Hyperetes is a helper or assistant. Jesus could have chosen uh, uh, many, many other words that could have cushioned the jolt. But Jesus didn't want to cushion the jolt. He wanted to intensify the jolt because he wanted you and I to understand that a slave who is redeemed represents what he did on the cross. You see, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ bled and he, 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 he paid and he redeemed you and I. Redemption, salvation is to buy back. And Jesus wants you and me to understand that when we consider the slave this morning, we are looking at a person who has been redeemed. We're looking at a person whom has been invested in. We're looking at a person who God has invested all of the resources of heaven. Allow me to jog your memory for a second so that you may know what Jesus did on the cross for us. You see, he vacated heaven. He clothed himself with humanity. He put on him our sins, our selfishness, our weariness, our tiredness. He put himself in a situation that people spat on him. 
He put himself in a situation that people uh, uh, criticized him. And he, uh, he carried our cross. And he walked to Golgotha and he trekked up that mountain. He was stripped of his clothes and he was strapped on the cross. And he bled so that he could buy your salvation and mine. This morning, the slave reminds us that we have been bought. And the point of Jesus is this. The best way for you to respond to my salvation is to be a faithful and wise servant. You see, Jesus wants to rouse in us a responsibility. You see, our responsibility is to follow him. We stand in a subordinate superior relationship with God as subordinates uh, we need to follow the specifications that Jesus gives on how we should build our family and friendships I'm talking to somebody now you see as subordinates we need to follow the career that Jesus has demarcated for us as subordinates we need to follow the directions on the nutrition we need to ingest as subordinates, we need to follow how we utilize our money. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody this morning. As subordinates, we need to follow. And he's reminding us this morning that you, are been, you have been bought. And the only way for you to respond to appreciate what I have done is for you to follow what I say. Oh, my brother and my sister, we make a mistake to think that we are bosses. You are not a boss. Jesus is the boss. God is the boss. He's in charge of your life. He's in charge of your job. He's in charge of your family. And yes, he has a right to say what goes on in your life. He has a right to say what you do with your money. He has a right to say what you do with the girl. He has a right to say what you do with the man. He has a right to say what you do with your preaching. He has a right to say what you do in your church. He has a right to say what you do when you go to work. He has a right to say what you do when you exercise. I'm simply telling you, brother and sister, you belong to God. You have been bought by God. You are not your own. I said I wouldn't preach, but uh, I had to. I had to. I had to. You see, in Roman times, hear me carefully. In Roman times, masters stripped slaves of name, ancestry, ancestry, dignity, and rights. A slave resembled dirt to be stomped on. A slave, a slave's body was good for pleasure and gain. You see, masters, to keep their slaves from running away, would tattoo on them messages like, stop me, I ran away. Or messages like, I have been paid for. Now, I discovered that some people in Roman times decided to be, to be slaves. Their idea spun my head. But I began to understand, to understand that under the roof of a master, a slave plugged the hole of hunger. Under the roof of a master, a slave had a steady diet.
Under the roof of a master, a slave slept on a bed every night. Under the roof of a master, a slave was educated and enrolled in school. Under the slave, under the roof of a master, a slave could be a doctor and an accountant. So I began to see that in fact, it was better to be a slave than to be free. Allow me to bring it to your life. You see, many of us, like slaves, we ditched a life of poverty and we hugged a life of slavery. We began to see that in God there is a, a steady diet. We began to see that in God there is a place we can rest. We began to see that it is better to serve God than to serve, uh, to be a slave of the devil, to be a slave of drugs, to be a slave of somebody. We see that in God it's a much better life. And so my brother and my sister, I'm here to tell you and declare to you based upon the word of God. You are in better hands with God than with anybody else, than with something else. And too many of us, we are slaves of our job. We are slaves of our family. We are slaves of expectations. We are slaves of what people think about us. We are slaves of those things. But my brother and my sister, what matters is that you need to be a slave of God. Because when you are a slave of God, you are truly free. When you are a slave of God, you truly blossom. It is interesting to me that slaves could be accountants. It is interesting to me that slaves could be doctors. My brother and sister, I say it again. I became a pastor when I became a slave of God. And I'm preaching to you right now because I'm a slave of God. You are not going to be what you should be. You're not going to achieve your success unless oh, you become a slave of God. You are holding yourself back by being free. You see, perhaps this faithful and wise slave hugged the life of slavery. He was free once, but he chose the life of slavery. You see, as he lived a life of freedom, he, he excavated trash cans. As he lived a life of freedom, his fingers pulled up food owned by maggots and visited by flies. He dissected maggots from his food picked from the trash. But oftentimes, one or two maggots got into his stomach. And life nibbled poverty, distress, and, and hardness nibbled at his very existence. The only lifeline dangled on the door of a master. And so he bolted for the house. He banged on the door. And the master of the house unlocked the door. He fell to his knees. He looked at his master. He put his hands in the sky. And his, he spat out the words, Master, today I declare that I am now your slave. Master, today I declare now that I am, I am yours. The master lifted him up and he told him, there's only two things I want from you. I want faithfulness and wisdom. Now, I know that you are, you are wise because you knocked on my door. But I want to see if you'll be faithful. And so the, 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 the servant, the new slave said, Master, I will be faithful. Master, I will show you that I can be faithful. And so when the master told him, 
go to the store and buy nasi uruk and bring back change. Uh, the slave went to the store, bought nasi uruk, and he brought back change with receipt. When the master told him, I want you to wash my clothes with rinso, the slave washed the clothes with rinso. He hung them, he dried them, and he ironed them. When the master says, I want you to scoop in two uh, teaspoons of sugar in my cup, uh, the slave scooped in two teaspoons of sugar in his cup. One day, the master assembled all of his slaves. And he pronounced and announced, I'm going on leave. I'm going to disappear. Now, do not worry. Do not worry. Your daily distribution, it will be okay. I am appointing our new slave, Mr. Faithful and Wise, to take care of the situation. You'll be fine. Do not, do not have a heart attack. I got you under control. He's got it under control. And so the master put aside Mr. Faithful and Wise. And he told him, listen, I'm going to be gone for a while. But I want you to take care of the situation. Please hold, hold down the fort. Master, do not worry. I got it under control. I'm going to take care of the situation. Do not worry about it. When you come back, it'll be all right. The slave, Mr. Faithful and Wise, his face was filled, swallowed with a, a smile from Joe to Joe to Joe, Joe to Joe. He put up his hands in the air and tears streamed, streamed from his eyes. He could now see that a life of poverty had progressed to promotion. Not too bad in his mind, not too bad for a kid or a, a, a surgeon of maggots. So for the first couple of weeks, and knowing and realizing that he deduced, you know, when his master goes away and comes back, normally if a, a, serve, a slave has been faithful, there'll be a bump in promotion. And so his garden of ambition received or soaked in new motivation and, 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 and courage. And so every day for the first couple of weeks, he, he got up on time and he, he dressed up and, and made sure that the junior slaves were given food at the right time. He made sure that their cups and plates were filled. And he did this and he continued. But something happens. Uh, one month turns into two. A two turns into four. Four it turns into eight. Eight turns into 16. Mr. Faithful and Wise lost count of the months and he counted out his master. At first, he subtracted the meals of the junior slaves. Instead of giving them three meals a day, he gave them two meals a day. Two meals a day subtracted to one meal a day. One meal a day subtracted to every other day. He smacked some of the junior slaves and he pushed them around. Trips to buy supplies that turned into restaurant hopping and pubbing. You see, this slave, Mr. Faithful and Wise, he fertilized the idea 
that my master is not going to come. He fertilized the idea that it's not going to happen. And in his mind, he, he, he figured this master has no decency. This master has no care about me. How can he be gone for so long? And so pride swelled up in his heart. One day, while out restaurant hopping and pubbing, a junior slave found him at a restaurant, his favorite restaurant in the city. And the junior slave came to him and, 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 and he found him there seated and, and, and he was there chilling and he could hear somebody panting and somebody goes into his line of vision and he looks up. Yeah, what's up? What do you want? The junior slave stuttered and he, uh, 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 um, um, spit it out, boy. Spit it out. Be a man. Tell me. Uh, the, 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 the master just came back two hours ago. Mr. Faithful and Wise, now called Mr. Evil, his breathing stopped for a second. His heart st started pounding his chest. Lactic acid filled his legs. And every step that he took to the master's house was like a, a leg workout. He came before his master and he dropped to his knees. His neck, his head declined on his chest. His hands plopped him, his, hand, his hands went on the, on the ground and he plopped him there. And there he, he, he uttered the words, ma ma Master, Master, I'm sorry. I didn't hold the fort down. I figured you, you, you were not coming back. I mean, I, I, I knew you'd come back, but I figured you, you'd not come back. <clears throat> I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Master said, look, I left Mr. Faithful and Wise. What I see in front of me, that's not what I left. No, no, Master, you don't understand. It's me, FW, Faithful and Wise. I know that I'm a little chubby because of all my restaurant hopping. I know that I'm a little drunk right now because of the wine and the little alcohol at the restaurant, but, but it's me. Master says, no, I didn't leave an evil slave. I left a faithful and wise uh, slave. And the master says, because you have lived a double life, because you have lived a double life, when I was around, you were faithful. And when I left, you were not faithful. I want you to be cut in two. And he told the guards, get this thing out of my sight. You see, Mr. Faithful and Wise had it transformed into Mr. Evil Slave. My brother and sister, hear me carefully. This man, this slave, had developed what I call the delay syndrome. You see, a syndrome shows symptoms 
of a deeper disease. A syndrome shows that something is going on, that something is not right. You see, when the weeks turn into months, and months turn into months, he lost the grip of the promise of his master. His faith in the promise of his master diminished. Delay numbed the sensation of the promise of his master. Hear me carefully. He fertilized the idea that the Lord is delaying in his coming. And because of that, he created an opening for delay syndrome to thrive. And I'm here to declare to you this morning that delay syndrome thrives on delay. It thrives on the fact that there is, there is a delay, there is a, there is a hold up. You see the slave judged the master's promise, not on past evidence of fulfillment, but he judged the master's promise on present experience. He didn't judge the master's promise based upon the position that he had. He judged the master's promise based upon the promotion to be had. You see, he treated his master in this way. What have you done for me lately? You see, could it be that many of us, we treat God in the same manner. What have you done for me lately? You see, social media stories, they function by what have you posted on me lately. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You see, a, a social media story gives you a 24-hour lifeline. And after a cycle of 24 hours, the social media uh, story will knock on your door again and it will say, we need to post again. What have you posted on me lately? Could it be that we treat God the same way? That we don't think about what God has done for us in the past. Never mind that he has given us salvation in Jesus. Never mind that we are protected from COVID-19. Never mind that our family is healthy. But Lord, I need something right now from you. I need the promotion now. I need the job now. I need the relationship now. I need the degree now. Lord, I need the health now. Never mind what you have done. Lord, you need to give it to me right now. I need it right now. My brother and sister, hear me once again. You should not uh, treat God as what have you done for me right now. You should treat God as what has, been, what has he done for you in the process, in the course of your life. You see, I borrow money. Uh, from my sister sometimes. And, uh, you know, my sister is not like this kind of people who, you know, they, they nag at you. You know, they knock at your door. You know, give me back my money. Somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about here. You know what I mean? You borrow somebody money <laughs> and uh, they're going to hound you like a hound dog. In fact, until the day you pay, they're not going to let you go. Somebody knows what I'm saying. <laughs> my sister doesn't bug me or stress me when I haven't paid her back. Now, usually what I do is that I tell her, hey, sis, listen, um, I will not uh, be able to pay you back because something happened. Uh, and I explain the reason. And then I tell her, look, um, I will sort it out on such and such a date. And you know what my sister says? It's cool. She says it's cool because my sister has evidence that Henry pays back when he says he's going to pay back. It may not happen as her, it, it may not happen on the day Henry says he's going to pay back. But she has experience with me that I will pay back. 
You need to treat God the same way. You need to think, what has God done for me in my life? And somebody knows what I'm saying. God has brought you through a struggle and a challenge. God worked out a situation and you didn't get fired. God worked it out that she, <laughs> she didn't dump you. God made sure that you had food when you were not working. And just because right now things are not happening, just because right now things are not working out, you shouldn't swell up with pride and say, Lord, what have you done for me lately? No. In fact, in that moment is when you need to be like, Lord, I know you're going to come through. Lord, I know you are with me. I know you're not going to give up on me. I believe in you, Lord. You are my God. You are my Savior. And I'm not letting you go. Somebody say amen. God is on your side. If he stepped up before, he's going to step in again. So my brother and my sister, delay syndrome thrives on delay. But you see, I understood something. You see, many syndromes may not be erasable, but they can be manageable. What that means is you and I need to learn to manage the delay. We need to ensure that our faith, our, our hold on the promise of God is managed correctly and properly. And so I want you to understand that in the word of God, we have, oh, I love this. I want you to understand that in the word of God, we have every, every nutrition we need to grow our spiritual appetite. We have everything we need to keep us holding on to the promises of God. Oh, I love it when I read about a man called Abraham, that wonderful story. He had to wait 25 years, but God came through for him. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you're wishing for. I don't know what you're working for. But I want you to understand that it doesn't matter how long you're going to wait. You will see God come through. And so take the stories of Abraham. Take the stories of the children of Israel in, uh, in, in Egypt. 490 years struggling uh, to, 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 to get out of, of slavery. But they came out. Now look at Moses who spent 40 years being a separate. But God elevated him and he was a prophet of God. God. Look at David. He had to wait 10 to 15 years to be, to be king. Uh, look at these wonderful men and women who cried out. Uh, somebody doesn't have a baby, I know, and they're praying for a baby. Look at Hannah. Uh, look at Mary. Uh, somebody's uh, reputation has been tarnished. Look at the Virgin Mary who man she she never have a husband but she was pregnant some some of you are in a situation like that you have done nothing wrong but it is because God is working in your life and the reputation seems to be off that's okay read the story of Mary and she's going to encourage you somebody right now is in the prison of doubt is in the prison of discouragement look at Paul in the prison of doubt and discouragement but yet he produces a wonderful product and I want you to know brother and sister that it is in the moments of struggle it is in the moments when you stitch things when it is in the moments when things are not going good that God produces the best product and right now I want to tell somebody that God is by your side right now I want you to know that this season of struggle is going to come through in a powerful way but you need to Manage the delay by holding on to the promises of God. Reading the stories and feeding your spiritual life. Because if you do not manage the delay, you see, delay, the delay syndrome is going to spoil your faith. You see, 
Vegetables have a short shelf life. The moment you pick them up from the store, have you not noticed? I'm talking to you again. I stopped preaching. Let me talk to you for a moment. Have you not noticed that um, when you go to Grand Lucky and you want to buy vegetables, the vegetables, they are mostly in a cool section of, the st- of, of, of Grand Lucky. Usually they're in, uh, in uh, these refrigerators, right? Because these grocery stores understand that from the moment it is plucked in the garden, that vegetable has a short life, shelf life. So they do everything possible to extend the shelf life of a vegetable. And what we do when we go to the store to buy that vegetable, whatever it is, whether it is uh, sayur or it is, you know, lettuce, it is cabbage, you know, I'm telling you things that I like to eat. (laughs) Whether it is those kind of vegetables, the moment you buy them, they already have a short lifespan. And when you transport them from the store to your house, the lifespan, you know, diminishes even, even more. Now, if you want to extend the shelf life of vegetables, you need to put them in the fridge. Now, in the fridge, there are parts in the fridge that are coldest and there are parts in the fridge that are warmest. Some vegetables need to be put in the, in the coldest part of the fridge. Some need to be put in the warmest part of the fridge. And I'm telling you stuff that I, I was reading on the net. And, and I'm trying to practice this stuff because, hear me, hear me, hear me. I have dumped and trashed a lot of vegetables. The reason why I dumped them is because I didn't understand. I didn't understand that by delaying, I, I make them spoil. You see, delay will spoil our faith. Because our faith, a lot of times, is on a shelf life. And God understands that. Now, here's what I want you to see. What, one of the things that I have, re, I've, 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 I have resolved in my heart is that, look, I'm not going to let vegetables spoil anymore. So this is what I do. I either eat them right away on the day that I've gotten them, or I put them in the fridge, or if I know that I can't eat them, maybe in two, three days, I'm going to cut them up and put them in the freezer because the freezer kind of like freezes time. <laughs> it freezes time. But even vegetables in, in the freezer have to be eaten at some point. I'm trying to tell you, my brother and my sister, if we are to manage delay syndrome so that it doesn't spoil our faith, we need to understand the relationship. We need to understand how time works in relationship to the delay or the promise. You see, in this text, the Bible says, the servant thought in his mind, my Lord delays his coming. In fact, the word used is the word chronos. This is where we get the word for chronology. (laughs) And so a chronology is an arrangement of events in order. And so when the, the servant looked at the delay of his master, he's like, hold up. My master is out of order. My master has lost a step. But brother and sister, hear me carefully. God is never out of rhythm. God never loses the tune. If something is out of order, it's because God has directed it. If something is not coming on time as it should, it's because God has said it should not come on time as it should. And usually the one who needs to adjust themselves is us. 
And so I want you to understand, brother and sister, that we need to learn to manage time. We need to learn that God doesn't see time the way we see time. We see time in minutes, in seconds, in hours, in, 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 in days, in weeks, in months, in years. God doesn't see it that way. This servant was seeing time in that way. But the master was not seeing time in that way. The master was not concerned about the time. He was concerned about the development of the servant. <laughs> ah, let me preach. You see, the master saw that my servant has knocked on my door. Step number one. The master saw that my servant has said, yes, I will serve you. The master saw that the servant had been doing his work faithfully. Step number three. The master saw and he appointed him to a new position. Step number four. The master was taking his servant or his slave through a process of development. And you see, there was step number five. And step number five required faithfulness without the presence of the master. <laughs> the master wanted to see, will my servant remain faithful with my absence? Will the servant, the slave, do the same thing when I'm not around? You see, the master was concerned about developing the character of the slave. I want you to see, brother and sister, the delays in your life, the promises are not coming. It's not because God doesn't care. God wants to delay. God wants to develop you. You see, God wants to see if I promote him. Will he still come to church? <laughs> God wants to see. If I promote him, will he still pray? God wants to see. If he gets married, is he still going to come to church? You see, God, <laughs> God is interested in the development. And it matters what you do in the darkness of his absence. As well as what you do in the light of his presence. Ooh, it matters how you live. It matters what you do. And so this master wanted to develop his slave and, and his servant. Because he was interested in bringing him up. He wasn't interested in stamping on him like dirt. He wasn't interested in removing his name and his, his dignity and his rights. He was interested in elevating him. And God wants to elevate you. So the delay is not God's major concern. It's about making sure that God elevates you. You see, we can't fix God on our schedules. God is not a, 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 a you don't go on your eye calendar and say, God, deliver my promise tomorrow at 10 a.m. You know how we schedule ourselves. No. <laughs> you can't fix God on the schedule. In fact, God will just, you know, change your situation. You see... We can't put God in the straitjacket of our expectations. No, we can't. And so if we are to manage the delay syndrome, we need to understand how time works and what God is trying to accomplish with the delay. The delay is for you and your development. But you see, what I love is that delay doesn't mean denial. It simply means longer than designed for. Hey, hey, hey. It doesn't mean God is saying no. It simply says it's going to take a little long for the yes to come. And so they sat. 
on a bench, two of them. It was a young man and a young woman. And where they sat, sat was near a chapel. So it sobered the mood. It gave it a holy fight experience. And so the young man mastered up the courage. But his heart was beating out of his chest. And there he stuttered, looked at the girl and he says, you're the girl of my dreams. I want to date you. The girl paused as what, it, as what felt like eternity. She replied, I have pushed back dating for a while. I want to focus on some other things in my life. Can we be friends? <laughs> friends zone. The boy was, was crushed. His hopes were turned off. Darkness of his dreams covered his eyes. He couldn't see for a second. Then the girl added, I have put a zipper on my mouth. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell anybody about what you've said to me. I'm not going to tell anybody because you know how you, you girls are when the guy has asked you out. <laughs> you're going to embarrass him and tell him, hey, he asked me out and da-da-da-da-da. But she protected his honor. His courage and his motivation resurrected. He chased her for a year and a half. And like a little chick in an egg... Finally, he cracked the shell of her heart. And she said, yes, I want to make you stop running. And the boy embraced her. I want you to see, brother and sister, that God's denials, God's delays are not denials. They are simply <laughs> something that is longer than designed for. You need to learn, brother and sister, that God's delay is not telling you no. God wants to develop something in you. God wants to see something happen in your life. And so what you need to learn is this, is this, and this is very simple. Take the delay as a directive. Learn to see, learn to see in the denial as the delay as something God is trying to use to bring something out of you. The slave was told, I want you to give food to your other slaves. I want you to take care of them. You see, God wanted to understand that in your delay, you need to take care of the needs of those around you. There are people that I know are in your circle that need your food, that need their food in their daily sea, in their, in, their, in their right moment. They need you to be the one to take care of that. You need to learn to work the delay, not to be worked in the delay. You see, when you work the delay, it means that you're going to utilize the moment to bring out something powerful and something out of you. And the story of this suitor who chased the girl 
for a year and a half. Uh, for, for that time, he, he called her. He, he checked up on her. He gave her rides. And he, he was even a, a pharmacist. He brought a medicine. He was there working and working until the day that she was like, yeah, I, I want to be with you. And so in the moment of delay, you need to work it, man. You need to do it, man. You need to do it, lady. You need to do it, man. Do that thing. Do something positive. Don't just sit in a bus going to a destination waiting to arrive and do nothing take a book and read do something at that moment to make the delay proactive and and make the delay make the delay uh, active and and be proactive and and do something and right now in COVID-19 we are delayed yes but what can you do make this delay work for you Produce something out of this situation because when you do that, my brother, my sister, you're going to be benefited by the delay. You see, I need you to understand something. This text I read from appears in Matthew as well as Luke. And the, 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 the writers use the, 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 the story in two different ways. Luke, Matthew places Jesus in Jerusalem when he's telling this story. In other words, Matthew's trying to tell us. You are going to get to the destination. You're going to get there. Don't worry. You're going to go to Jerusalem, the city of peace, and you're going to meet, meet your king. Your day of peace is coming. Your day of joy is coming. The day when the struggle is going to end is coming. The destination is there. But Luke places the story when Jesus is on the journey to Jerusalem. It is in this journey that we learn of Jesus healing a a woman who is sick. It is in this journey we see Jesus telling a, a sister who was too busy cooking, you need to sit at my feet. It is on this journey we learn about the good Samaritan. It is on this journey we learn about the prodigal son. It is on this journey that we learn about the, the darkness of unbelief. It was in the, on this journey we learn about the, the ten lepers. And God teaches us it is important to give thanks. It is on this journey Jesus meets this little uh, Oompa Loompa uh, uh, tax collector called Zacchaeus. And we learn that money and stealing is not right. And so it looked like Jesus was taking a lot of delays on his journey to Jerusalem. But Jesus didn't allow that to work him up. He worked it out. (laughs) He worked for others. He worked for God and he made sure that he worked or the situation worked for him. So in a delay, you need to focus on three things. Focus on others, focus on God, and focus on yourself. And yes, baby, work it out and work it in. Work it up and work it out. Hallelujah, somebody. Yes, you need to work the delay. Absolutely. So you need to take it as a directive. But also you need to take the delay as a trial. You see, the delay was testing the faithfulness of the slave. God wanted to see, is my slave going to be faithful to me? Is my slave going to uphold my honor when I'm, not a, when, I'm, when I'm not away? And so in that moment of delay, God is testing you. Is this person really a Christian? Hmm? Now, you might say, Pastor, talk to me for a moment. Why should God talk to me? Like, why should God test me? He knows everything. No, it's not for him. Because he already knows. But it is for you. Now here's a beautiful thing. God hasn't put us in a straitjacket. 
God hasn't said this person is evil, so they're going to remain evil. No. God hasn't said he's a liar. He'll remain a liar. God hasn't said he's a cheater. He'll remain a cheater. God hasn't said he's not good. He'll remain, he'll remain not being good. God hasn't put you in a straitjacket. You might be poor today, but you'll be rich tomorrow. <laughs> you might be relationship less today, but you'll be relationship, relation, relational fool <laughs> tomorrow. I'm saying to you that God gives us the opportunity to shape our lives. You see, that's an amen moment right there. So in the delay, God wants you to focus on you. What are the things that are lacking in you? What are the things you need to develop? And if you pass the test by developing the things that are not, that are not in you yet, then God will be like, yeah, you see, I have actually produced something. So the test is not for you. It's not for him. It is for you. God is like a teacher who knows the answers already. He just wants to see if you know. <laughs> he just wants to see if you're going to grow. So my brother and sister, hear me today. Take the delay as a test and use the test to benefit yourself and pass the test by saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to be what you have called me to be. I'm going to be the best thing that you have. You, I mean, I'm going to be all that I'm supposed to be. I'm going to climb the ladder that you want me to climb. I'm going to decline the ladder you want me to decline. I'm going to stop the things you want me to stop. <laughs> I'm going to be healthy as you want me to be healthy. I'm going to make sure that I'm feeding my mind with the word of God. So you need to utilize the delay and develop something in you. And when you do that, brother and sister, ooh, it's going to benefit you. Amen. You see, this is why Jesus asked the question, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over over them to give them food inducing. This is why he asked. He says, you want greatness? You want salvation and compensation? Let's look at faithfulness because that is, that is where it is difficult. And if you know something about the disciples is that the moment that Jesus is arrested, they bolted, man. In fact, one disciple ran away naked because that's how we are. We, we talk a lot. But the walk, putting our, the money where our mouth is, is difficult. And what is very sad about this servant who failed the test. When the master came, the master says in verse number 51, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. He cut him in two because he lived a double life. He cut him in two to represent to us that, look, you should not live a double life. The person you are in the dark should be the person you are in the light. The person you are at home should be the person that you are at church. Now, now, now get what I'm saying. Jesus is saying you can't be two kinds of Christians. And here what we really have is a battle of faithfulness or unfaithfulness. The text is really a battle about a one-time servant of God becomes a full servant of Satan. That can happen in our lives. But the choice depends on you. Are you going to remain faithful? Are you going to be wise? Are you going to stick to God? Are you going to say, you know what? I'm not going to let the delay syndrome take me and sweep me away like a flood. I'm going to stand. I'm going to, firm, I'm going to firmly root myself like the man who built his house on the rock, Jesus Christ. I'm going to make sure that God is the one who directs my life. I'm going to make sure that I stick close to him. 
I know that he's not here yet, but he has told me that he's coming. I know that summer is coming. I know that I'm going to go through seasons of struggle. I know that these things are disrupting my life. I know that. But I will stick to Jesus. I will follow him no matter what. I will be with him until the very end. Because I will not suffer from the delay syndrome. I will not let the promises of God be lost in my grip. I will not give up. I will not give in. I will not give away. I will follow Jesus. I will be with him no matter what. I am his and he is mine. I will not let this moment pass, but I will be faithful. A story is told of a man as I close. He was visited by a tourist and he was a gardener at a, at a very wonderful estate. And there the tourist is walking in the estate and looking at the estate, he saw grass trimmed like a carpet. He saw flowers standing in, 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 in line like soldiers ready for battle. And he asked a question to the gardener. He says, gardener, uh, when was the last time your master was here? He says, he was here 10 years ago. And you still keep the place looking nice? Yes, I do. Because he can show up any day. I, I mean, is he coming next? No, but he can show up any day. And because he can show up any day, <laughs> I'm going to do my job. There is no way I'm going to let the delay syndrome become my syndrome. There is no way I'm going to allow delay to make me lose a hold of God. Brother and sister, that is your task. That is my task. To make sure that we hold on to Jesus. Even if he hasn't come yet. To hold on to him. To, to, to cling to him. And you want to say with me. Lord. I don't want to allow the delay syndrome. To be my syndrome. I want to make sure that you. Are the one I live for. You want to say yes pastor. I'm joining you. I'm joining you. Every head is bowed. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for teaching us your truth. Thank you this morning for guiding us and leading us. Father, we don't want the delay syndrome to be our syndrome. We want you to strengthen us. We want you to live in us. We want to do your will and your purpose no matter what. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. Bless a brother. Bless a sister. In the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you.